Well, good morning, guys. I love Sundays. Uh, I hope that Sunday is a special day for you. I love coming to church. I love worshiping together. And uh, what a great time of worship we've already had here this morning. Uh, give our praise team, our worship team, they make fun of me for making praise team. Give them a hand. And I'm not talking about coming to a building because uh, I work here. <laughs> so I'm in this building every day of the week just about. Uh, but it's not the church until you guys get here. And so I look forward to church every week to come together to worship, uh, just enjoy our experience together. So I thank you for being here today and allowing uh, this opportunity and this experience to worship uh, together. Thank you very much. You're much valued by this church and this staff, and we thank you again for your faithfulness of being here. Uh, we just came out of a very powerful series, uh, Ronnie spoke on the power of one, and uh, I don't think I've ever seen Ronnie as anxious about a series since I've been here as he was this series. And I think part of it was he, he and his heart knew how important and how critical it was for us as a church uh, to hear what he had to say, what God had spoken to him and wanted for us to hear and wanted for us to do. And he talked about our part is following Christ and then helping lead others uh, to follow Christ. And really when it boils right down to it, uh, that's all there is to it. Uh, we're to follow Christ. And in the process of following Christ, we're to help others follow Christ. But in striving to do that in understanding our part, uh, it's also important that we understand the influence that we have. You see, there's negative influences and then there's positive influences. Through our words, we can encourage people, uh, we can engage people, we can empower them to follow Christ, but through our words also, we can discourage people, and we can pull them down and be a negative influence on them in their pursuit to follow Christ. And so we need to understand the power or the influence that we have in our words and what we can accomplish either for the good or the bad. Because I do believe that as a church, we can encourage this church to do great things for God. But we can also discourage and rob Golden Corner Church of the blessings that God wants us to have. So if we're going to do our part, we have to understand what comes along with that and the power that we have in our words and the influence that we can be on other people. Now we're going to be in Numbers 13. Before we get there, I want to give you just a little bit of background about the nation of Israel and what brought them to this point that we're going to be speaking or talking about today. The nation of Israel was in captivity. Uh, they were in bondage. Uh, they were in oppression for 400 years in Egypt. 400 years. That meant that there were generations that came and died. Never ever experiencing the promise of God. This land that he had promised through Abraham. There were generations that never got to see that happen. But after 400 years, the children of Israel finally came to the place where they began to cry out to God. And so God called a man by the name of Moses to come and be a deliverer of his children. Not only to deliver them out of their slavery, but also to take them into 
this promised land. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh and he begins to demand that they let the children of Israel free. Now after, after ten different plagues that God brought upon Pharaoh and the people of Egypt, finally they came to the place that they were ready for them to leave. Of course, the last plague, you guys know, being the one where all the firstborn males of every household in Egypt would die. The children of Israel were protected by putting the blood of the lamb upon their doorposts and when the angel of death passed over, they were protected, but all the other firstborn in Egypt died. Pharaoh, broken, his heart finally softened, told Moses to get these people and get out of here. And so they gather all the things that they had collected, their family, and they begin to exit Egypt. As they came to the Red Sea, as in the case of all the prior plagues that came upon Egypt, Pharaoh's heart was hardened again. And so he began to pursue the children of Israel. And as they were standing there facing the Red Sea, they began to cry out to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die? We could have done this in Egypt. But then God told Moses to raise his staff, and when he did, the Red Sea parted, and the children of Israel crossed over into the wilderness on dry land. As the Egyptian army entered into the ocean or the sea, the water closed in on them and drowned all the Egyptian army. So the children of Israel were finally free after 400 years. They made, them, made their, ways down, their way down to uh, Mount Sinai. Now, if you look at it on a map, uh, the closest route to where they wanted to go would have been straight across. And it was a commercial route that many people had traveled before, but for some reason, they decided to take the long way. I think they had the same GPS system I have. I was over in Pickens uh, one day visiting a family, and, and uh, I needed to get over to Anmed and Anderson. And so I knew how to get there, but I thought, well, maybe GPS has a lot better way of getting there than I know. And so I plugged in the address to the hospital, and the next thing I know, I'm on this single-lane road uh, traveling, and it looks like somebody's driveway. I'm just waiting to get to someone's house and pull up in their yard. And, uh, but you know what? Believe it or not, I came out over on 81 somehow, and it got me to where I wanted to be. Uh, not always the way I would go, uh, but it eventually get you there. And so they were headed in the right direction, just a different route. But God had a plan for this. When they got to the Mount of Sinai, they spent about a year there. There God spoke to Moses on the mountain. He gave them rules and laws to live by. There at Mount Sinai, they became a group of slaves. They went from being a group of slaves to becoming a nation. So God began this preparation or this preparing of them to take the promised land. After about a year at Mount Sinai, they made the short journey up to a place called Kadesh Barnea. There God called them to send in 12 spies into the land. Now God had already told them that this was a land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, this was a very fertile land. This was a great land. And that he was going to give them this land. But God also instructed them to send in these 12 spies. And we're going to begin reading here in verse 1 of Numbers 13. The Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am given to the Israelites. And so from the very beginning, God made it clear this was going to be the land that he was going to give to them. He had already promised it to them. 
They were going to inhabit this land. They were going to raise their families in this land. They were going to plant their fields in this land. This was a land where they were going to, going to become a nation. It says, send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. I found this quite interesting that he told them to find leaders within the tribes to make sure he sent those in. So these men knew very well why they were there, what God was planning on doing with them, what God had promised to them. And so they were sent in to spy out the land. And it goes on here in verse 17. Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like. And find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. Now, God had already told them a lot about this place. They kind of knew what to expect. But they wanted to get a little bit more insight to what was going on. In verse 19, it says, See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls? Or are they unprotected, like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your, do your best to bring back samples of crops you see. It happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. So I want you to notice a couple of things here. Number one, they were sent in simply to bring confirmation. God had given his word. He would given his promise. They were to go in simply to confirm what God had already instructed them to do. Look throughout the land and get an idea of what's going on. Secondly, they were to bring back a report about the condition of the people as well as the land itself. So they were going to get confirmation. They were going to get a report about the condition of the land. And then they were going to go in and occupy this land. Now they spent 40 days in there gathering the information. And then verse 26, it says to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran, they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. And so again, they're bringing back this confirmation. They see the fruit. Uh, they see how fertile it is. Uh, this was their report to Moses. We entered the land, and you sent us to explore. You sent us to explore. And indeed, it's a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produced. It produces. Verse 28. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev. And the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. And so they're talking about the people who live there, the different groups of people who live there, the condition of the land, the condition of the people, and in their eyes, some of them were like giants. Now I want you to listen to what verse 30 says. Here Caleb responds to the report that is being given. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Caleb was listening to what was said, and all of a sudden this report took a very negative outlook. And so Caleb said, guys, we can take this land. God's already promised it to us. He's already prepared a way. All we have to do is go and be faithful. Verse 31, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. 
So they spread the bad report about the land among the Israelites. Ten guys bringing back a negative report. All of a sudden it began to be spread around all the people, uh, probably three million people there in Israel, or the Israelites. The land was traveled through and explored would devour the land we travel through and explore will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Again, they mentioned this. Next to them we felt like grasshoppers, and that what they thought, and that's what they thought too. So ten of the twelve men brought back a very negative report that induced fear and doubt in the minds of the hearts of the people. Caleb was the only one who spoke up with a very positive report because he understood the promise of God. He understood what God had already done for them, what God already prepared for them. All they had to do is take this land. So he tried to no avail to encourage the people to believe in God and possess the land. But the people refused to enter into the promised land. And so God's first reaction when they refused or they rejected what he had called them to do, what he had sent them to do, is he wanted to wipe them from the face of the earth. God said, how much longer will I put up with this rebellious crowd? How much longer will I put up with their complaining? And so he wanted to just wipe them all out and start all over with another generation of people. But Moses began to intercede for them. He began to pray for them. And God reconsidered. But the ten men who brought back the negative report, God brought a plague upon them and they died immediately there. Then God brought judgment on the rest of the people of Israel. And this was his judgment. That everyone over the age of 20, except for Joshua and Caleb, would never step foot into the promised land. An entire generation of people would miss the blessings that God had prepared for them. This is a land that God had promised to Abraham. It had passed down to Isaac and Jacob. It had been with the children of Israel for the 400 years that they had spent in captivity and bondage in Egypt. It had been with them the little over a year that they spent in the desert as God prepared them for this land. They had waited and waited and waited and waited. They had heard about this promise for years and years and years. And now they get to this very point where they can experience the reality of what God had promised. And because of ten men, you could probably estimate over a million people missed out on the blessings of God. Because of ten men who brought back a negative report, an entire generation would miss out on the blessings of God. There's power in our words. We have influence And we can either encourage people to follow Christ or we can discourage them at the same time. Now, what is the lesson from this? I believe the big lesson is this. Negative people rob others of God's blessings. Negative people rob others of God's blessings. Again, ten men robbed an entire generation of the land that God had given to them, a land that would stain them and their families, a land that would protect them, a land where they could become a great nation. Cities that had been built that they didn't have to build. Fields that had been plowed and prepared that they didn't have to. All they had to do was harvest. 
those fields. Because of these ten men, instead of enjoying, enjoying the fruit of, the, of what God has, had planned for them to take, they would spend the next nearly 40 years of their life wandering around in a circle in the wilderness, waiting on the last one to die. And I want you to think about it. You've got this promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land full of blessings, a land where God had prepared everything for them to enjoy. And then you have the wilderness. Instead of receiving the blessings and enjoying the blessings, they would spend the next nearly 40 years of their existence wandering in a circle. Not even going anywhere, just wandering in a circle, waiting for the last member of that generation to pass away. Guys, I think the challenge to me today is this. Don't be a discourager. Be an encourager. Encourage others to follow Christ. Encourage others to do great things for God. Caleb was an encourager. And he was the one voice among the twelve that spoke up. Now evidently Joshua agreed with him. It's just not recorded here. But Caleb was the one voice among the twelve who said, let's go in and take it. God promised it to us. He's prepared it. He's already defeated those in front of us. Let's go and take it. We can do this. But the people would not listen and they refused to go in. What is it going to take for us to be an encourager, not a discourager? What do we need to do in order to help us to be an encourager to other people? I think there's just two things. I'm going to mention them real quickly, and then I'm going to sit down. Number one, we've got to take God at his word. We've got to take God at his word. All 12 of these spies were leaders. They all understood why they were there. They all understood what God had said. But instead of taking God at his word, these ten men based their opinion and their conclusions on what they had seen and experienced and the circumstances in which they were in. You know, sometimes our circumstances, our experiences, don't always match up with the promises of God, do they? Sometimes we find ourselves in situations and we understand what God has to say. We understand what the Word of God says. We understand the promises of God. But we find ourselves in circumstances or situations or experiences that always line up with the promises of God. And so it makes it very difficult in those moments to really believe or trust or take God at His Word. Because what we feel inside isn't what we know. And so we base our opinion or we base our conclusions off of what we feel and what we experience instead of off of what we know God says. And what this has a tendency to do, it makes us very negative people. We can become bitter. We can begin to drag other people down because we become bitter. I want you to think about Joseph. Joseph, as a young boy, was told that one day he would rule and his brothers would bow to him. Over 13 years, Joseph held that promise in his heart. But during those 13 years, he was thrown in a well. He was sold into slavery. 
He was thrown in prison, falsely accused, and then he was forgotten. I always picture Joseph sitting in that prison, wondering if the cupbearer ever remembered his promise to him. Because two years had passed before he finally was able to get to where, he went, where God intended him to be. And even though initially his circumstances, his experiences didn't necessarily line up with the promise of God, it eventually came true. Think about Abraham. You know, God told him that he would have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sea on the seashore. But yet Abraham's wife Sarah couldn't have children. So Abraham struggled to believe that God was going to bring about the promise that he had made to him. And so he tried to do it on his own and had a child through his maidservant, Hagar. At the age of 99, the promise came true. You see, in the very beginning, his experience, his circumstances were not in line with the promise of God. But he had to continue to believe that God's promises are going to come true. You see, I believe that God is a promise keeper. Just because your circumstances, your experiences, and, and where you find yourself today may not be in line with God's promises that He's made to you, I can promise you that His promise is coming. But we've got to take God at His word. We've got to believe what God says. You know, I've watched people grow th- go through difficult situations and circumstances in their life. And in the midst of all of that, it's very difficult for them to believe anything positive because all the negative that's going on in them at that point. But the only hope that they have is that the fact that God's promise is going to come true and the fact that God's promise is always there for them. And guys, listen, if we don't have anything else, we've got the promises of God to put our trust and our faith in. And so we have to take God at His word. So when things are not going the way that we think they should... Things are not always turning out the way that we think they should. We've got to cling to the promise of God and trust God and take God at His word. Now, Ronnie said in his series, The Power of One, that there's more for Golden Corner. You remember he said that at the very beginning. He believed God was telling him there's more for Golden Corner. And what I heard was the best is yet to come. That God still has more for us to do. We have not arrived. God still has a lot more for us to accomplish. And he shared with us, through God's word, what God had laid upon his heart. And I believe what God laid upon his word, on his heart was the word of God. I believe God spoke through Ronnie to us as he shared with us that we must do our part together in order to see this more that God has in store for us. And so we have a choice to make. We can either take God at his word and believe that God's going to accomplish what he has laid out for us and be encouragers and encourage others to do that and be an encourager of this church. Or we can simply ignore and doubt and discourage others. We can either be like the ten or we can be like Caleb. I can tell you this, you're never going to encourage others unless you first believe God's word for yourself. If we can't believe, if we can't trust, if we can't take God at his word, we're never going to encourage others to be able to follow Christ. It's never going to happen. And so if we're going to be an encourager, if we're going to encourage others, we've got to first take God at his word. And I believe God has a word 
for Golden Corner Church. And that word is there's more. We must do our part. Second thing I want you to understand today is this. We've got to ignore negative people. I tell you, negative people ruin your day. (laughs) We see two to three million Israelites here that are ready to possess the land. I can imagine what it was like in the wilderness that they were wandering in or they were in there for about a year. I can imagine what they were going through. And I'm sitting there in my mind and I'm thinking, here's two to three million Israelites out here that's been living in tents for over a year now. I'm sure they're sitting there waiting on this report to come back for 40 days. And if it's me, I'm sitting there, I can't wait to go in. You know, they're probably ready to sleep in a bed. They're probably ready for some air conditioner, some Wi-Fi. You know, they've been out here where there's no connection at all. And so they've been roughing it for now over a year. And they're ready to take possession of this land. I mean, just itching, can't wait to get in that place. But all of a sudden, these ten guys begin to give this very negative report. And these people that were so eager to go into this land, now all of a sudden, they don't want no part of it. Because the word spread throughout the people, and they became discouraged. You know, I've seen one person, one negative person, absolutely spread discouragement throughout an entire church. And believe me when I tell you this, negative people like to be around other negative people. You ever found that to be true? Nobody. <laughs> negative people like to be around other negative people. It's just true. And so they somehow find out where the other negative people are and they gather around and they all begin to become very negative. But it only takes one negative person. You take a group of negative people and they can absolutely discourage the movement of God and what God's going to do. So what we got to do is ignore those negative people. I mean, poor old Moses. From the time that they left Egypt... The Israelites complained. When they got to the Red Sea, they complained. God parted the Red Sea. They crossed over it. They saw that miracle. Then they complained about not having anything to drink. And so God made the bitter water sweet. They had plenty of water to drink. Then they complained about not having any food. God sent manna from heaven. Then they complained about not having any meat. God sent them so many birds, it was coming out their ears. And then they continued to complain. It got so bad, even Miriam and Aaron, Moses' own family, complained against him. Probably by this time, Moses was ready just to jump off Mount Sinai instead of just bringing a word from God to them. They were complainers. They were very negative. That's what Moses had to deal with the entire time. He was with them. You know, it's amazing that in the midst of all of that, there were two guys, though, that we see here in Scripture uh, that didn't allow the negativity to get to them. Joshua and Caleb. They're the only two people over the age of 20 that entered into the promised land. So this shows us that it is possible to be in a negative situation and not become negative. You say, well, how did they do it? Well, I believe they just simply ignored the negative talk. They ignored the negative people. They ignored the negative conversations. 
They didn't get caught up in the complaining. They stayed away from it. First of all, again, they believed God in His Word that God was going to fulfill His promise, and by believing that, it helped encourage them, and they maintained their hope that God was going to do what He said He was going to do. And then they just stayed away from the negativity. They stayed away from the people that were so negative that were discouraging other people. And so, guys, I tell you, do not get lured into negative conversations. Do not get lured into the conversations that are discouraging because it will discourage you, and then you'll begin to discourage other people. It's contagious. We've got to ignore the negative. Is there more for Golden Corner Church? Does God have more for us to do? I believe that's God's word. And so I choose today to take him at his word. God's going to do incredible things through Golden Corner Church here in the future. And I'm going to believe that. And I'm going to ignore the negative and the negative people. And I'm going to stay away from it. I want to maintain a positive attitude and I want to encourage others to follow Christ so that they may be able to encourage others to follow Christ. And I want to leave you with these three things and I don't have these on the screen for you to remember as you leave today. Number one, believe the Word of God. The Word of God tells us that whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe that the gospel is ready and prepared for every single living human being. What that tells me is that there's no one out there that cannot be saved. There's no one out there that cannot be reached. There's no one out there that the gospel cannot impact. And we've got to believe that because if we do not believe that, we're going to become discouraged and we're just going to quit trying. I believe part of this more that Ronnie was talking about in uh, the Power One series is that there's more people to reach with the gospel. There's more people to be saved. There's more people to be baptized. There's more people to be transformed through the power of God's Word. So we've got to believe Him at His Word. We've got to buy into that. We've got to be all in when it comes to believing God at His Word. Because the moment we start doubting God's Word, the moment that we start having any kind of doubt at all about God's Word, that's the day and the moment that we become discouraged ourselves and we become very negative. Secondly, you've got to trust God's leadership. You've got to trust God's leadership. I believe with all my heart that God speaks to the leadership of our church. And you may not always agree or like, and that's okay. But you've got to trust God's leadership. As God leads Ronnie as our senior pastor, and Ronnie leads our staff, and our staff leads this church, and the leadership of this church leads their areas of ministry, We've got to trust the leadership of our church. Because the moment we become negative toward them and what God is doing and what God is wanting to do through the leadership of our church, we become discouragers. It becomes a cancer within the church itself. Again, folks, you don't always have to agree. You don't always have to like it. And in those situations, there's ways to handle that. But to become negative and become a poison within the church itself... It's rebellion. We saw what God did to the ten spies that come back with a negative report. And then the third thing is this. Encourage others. Not too long ago, uh, me and Ronnie was having lunch. And he asked me a question. He's doing this all the time with us, trying to challenge us, I guess. 
He said, who are you encouraging every day? Who is it that you're investing in every day? And to be honest with you, I couldn't come up with a name. But this is what he told me. He said, you know, every day what I try to do is keep in the back of my mind that I want to encourage someone every day. Either take a step closer to receiving Christ or take a step deeper in their walk with Christ. So I want to challenge you to do the same thing today. You might be out at lunch. And in a conversation, you find yourself talking to someone that... uh, you haven't thought about it in a while. God's wanting to use you to encourage that person. Before you leave here today or while you're here today at church, you're going to have conversations with people. Encourage them. Take a step deeper in their walk with Christ. I believe that if we will take the opportunity every day to encourage someone, at least one person, throughout that day, to take a step closer or deeper in their walk with Christ. We can become like Caleb. And we can be an encourager and not a discourager. We can enable people instead of tearing them down. We can build up the church instead of tearing down the church. You see, I want to push people to move closer to Christ, not pull people away from Christ. So your homework this week is this. Try every day this week to encourage someone else to follow Christ, to walk closer and deeper in their walk with Him. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for what you want to do and what you're doing here at Golden Corner Church. Father, I know it's very critical that we understand that you've given us a word and that we can put our hope and our trust in your word. God, help us to be encouragers. Help us to be like Caleb. Lord, I'd hate to be listed in the ten. Those ten men who were leaders who through their words and their actions and their negative conversations robbed an entire generation of the blessings that you had in store for them. Lord, I don't want to be guilty of discouraging people. I don't want to be negative. God, I believe your word. I trust that you're leading this church. Father, and I desire to be an encourager. Put people in our path. Put people in our way. This coming week. That we can encourage. Maybe they're lost and they need to find you. Help us to encourage them to take that step closer. Maybe they're Christians and they're struggling and following you. And God, we can help them to take that step deeper. God, use us this week to be encouragers. And to encourage one another 
And God protect us from the urge, from the temptation to be negative toward things we may not agree on, toward things that we don't understand, but to believe, trust, and encourage. Father, go with us now as we go out into the mission field to help others find and follow you. For us in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. You have a great week.